Welcome back, everyone, to this Friday edition of the WILX Sports Blitz podcast. I'm Jonathan Gustin, and joining me for today's episode is Natalie Kerwin. Hey, Natalie, how are you doing? Hey, I am doing good today. So glad it's Friday. We got the weekend coming up. And uh, yeah, feeling good. How about you? Yeah, I am very much ready for the weekend. My shift is from basically 2 in the morning to uh, 10, 10.30, kind of whenever it wraps up. And so then it's it's been a it's been a long day already. I am ready to party. I am very ready to have fun. And I can't think of a better way to start my weekend than spending it, uh, at least the first part of it, with you. Yes, I know. It's always fun coming on here talking about sports, whatever it may be, whether it's Michigan State, Michigan, professional sports, um, whatever it may be. And actually, tonight, we have our high school sports blitz show at 11 o'clock. So tune in. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but... Yeah, so this, yeah, this will be out this uh, sometime Friday afternoon, so probably a lot of you will be listening before Sports Blitz. So yeah, definitely everybody check it out. And then, hey, they'll be able to see all the highlights of it online as well, right, at WILX.com? Yes, of course. Online and, yep, at our newscast at about 11.15 is when uh, our sports anchor, Kellen Buddy, will be in the studio giving you all the highlights from around the Lansing area. And I think I know at least one thing that's going to pop up and the 6 o'clock, and then probably the 11 o'clock, breaking news, as of 12.01, it's currently 12.20 as we're recording this, Blake Griffin has agreed to a buyout with the Detroit Pistons. This might be the biggest buyout, I think, in NBA history. He was owed $36.6 million this year and $39 million next year. So that's a little over $70 million to not play for a team. He's contractually uh, owed that money. Detroit has been going definitely for a rebuilding. If people have been following the team, they've drafted Killian Hayes at point guard, who unfortunately has also been out a lot of this year with injury. Uh, Saku Dumboya a year ago before that. And then Sadiq Bey as a small forward. Isaiah Stewart as a center. And then Sabin Lee as a backup point guard has looked very promising as well as a second round pick. And so there's a lot of young guys. They need a lot of playing time. And Jeremy Grant, too, is more of a power forward. He was signed this offseason, and he was starting at the three with Blake Griffin at the four. And it just, there was kind of a log jam for minutes. Griffin, too, unfortunately, two years ago, he helped drag the Pistons kicking and screaming into the playoffs with an incredible all-NBA-level season, doing basically LeBron's stat number with 24 points, like eight rebounds, seven assists per game. It was fantastic. He hurt his knee at the very end of the season, came back after the coach's staff. I think someone out there put the phrase, he can't do any more damage to it. And so then he came back with a big brace for game four against the Bucks. Didn't look very good and then had surgery and has just not been the same player since last season. He came back, I think, for something around two dozen games, more or less. And I think he got hurt again, just wasn't able to be really effective in any way. He shut it down, trying to recover, hopefully could come back this season and he's just not the same player athletically. He's very slow out there. He can't, I think it had been two years and, uh, I don't know, over maybe 150 games since he had last dunked. It was It's kind of sad. He's more of a stretch four now. Maybe he can go to, I think the hope is, A, the Pistons now move off of him to free up time for the rookies. And you don't really want a superstar just kind of there on a horrible losing team. This This man has deserved better. So with this buyout, he'll be a free agent. He'll be able to sign with the Lakers or Golden State Warriors. People, A lot of people thought maybe Boston could really use a big, and he might be able to be there. So maybe Griffin can go to a really good team in a smaller role and see some success. So for me, I'm hoping all the best for him. 
As for what this means for Detroit, likely they're not going to do the stretch and wave, which is when if you cut a player and they've got a lot of salary, you can disperse it among multiple years, which is twice the length of the contract plus one year. So instead of paying a 38.9, so essentially let's think $40 million for next year, they could divide that among three years, but I don't think there's any point. Detroit doesn't need the cap space next year. They're just going to have a bunch of rookies anyway as they try to rebuild. So I think they'll just take their medicine now and they'll go young. The young players have looked promising and they'll hopefully get a high draft pick as they have been absolutely horrible in late game situations just because, you know, it's a bunch of rookies learning how to play. And according to Tankathon, they have the second best uh, or second worst record if you want to look at it that way, which means they have an equal, uh, the bottom three teams in the NBA have equal odds for getting the top four pick at 52.1% or 14% overall. So that's an info dump there, but breaking news, Blake Griffin has officially, officially done with the Detroit Pistons, and it's a sad end to the era, but at least I'm happy for him. Maybe he'll go be able to play for a good team. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I, I wish him all the best because he, you know, he had a lot of success with the Clippers and, um, you know, with Detroit the first few years, but he just deserves to be somewhere where he can, you know, hopefully show, showcase his talent a little bit better than he's done with the, the Pistons the last few years and end his career somewhere else or he can actually make a difference and if we want to talk about showcasing talent a little bit better uh, michigan state they're going to have a chance sunday to do so uh, they did not do so hot last night they lost to michigan at michigan 69 to 50 not quite what spartans were hoping for but you go to play the number two team on the road and you've had issues all year uh being an inconsistent team i'm not going to say i was expecting necessarily a blowout like this but the outcome isn't too surprising wouldn't you say yeah I'm completely with you on that one uh it was not surprising I mean when you're facing the number two team in the country and you're Michigan State and you're a complete bubble team all season and you never know what's gonna happen it's kind of what you can expect um you know it 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 was your typical Michigan State loss, I feel, you know, they were 36.4 shooting overall. They missed all nine of their three-point attempts. I mean, it was just, it it was kind of the way Michigan State has been playing all season. I mean, Wolverine shot 50%. They were seven of 16 from three. I mean, when you compare the stats on paper, I mean, Michigan was the team that brought the energy. They had the most efficient defense and offense. They just brought everything that the Spartans didn't. And, you know, clinching the Big Ten title last night, I'm sure was good motivation. It was senior night. It was, you know, just the things have gone the right way for Michigan all year, starting the season unranked, ending the season number two right now, winning the Big Ten title, and probably going to have a very good run in the tournament. Um, it was just kind of everything you thought it would be. Um, as you said, you know, it, I, I didn't, I didn't have super high hopes for the Spartans, especially because you're in Ann Arbor and, you know, just the pressure that's there for Michigan state right now to, to end the season. Well, um, you know, that could be getting on them as well. And I know, I believe it was, gosh, their sixth game in 13 days. So I know they were probably very worn out as well. Yeah, Tom Izzo has made some comments about not necessarily needing to take on the extra rescheduled games or something along those lines, but they're getting in a lot of the games that were missed by COVID. This first Michigan game being one of them, or at least one of the two, was not originally on the schedule. 
And it looks like Michigan State kind of has had dead legs the last few games with the losses kind of interspersed throughout after they had that mini win streak that started when they went 3-0 and against teams like Illinois and Ohio State. And it's just not quite there. That super small ball lineup that they were playing was very exciting. And it's just, I think, in order to do something like that, it's a lot of energy if you're going to play small. If you're going to have Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry coming together at the 3-4, and the four, Rocket Watts and Langford relying all on them for basically... 38 minutes minimum together you put that many games back to back it's your legs are going to be tired having such a small rotation so i get it it's disappointing Uh, other just interesting note looking at it michigan state only attempted six threes not hitting any of them oh nine threes flip that number upside down nine threes didn't hit any of them they average over 23 point attempts per game six makes i mean if you one don't hit any shots from distance against michigan you're not going to win but also michigan did obviously a good job driving them off the line well michigan themselves they hit 50 percent of their shots from three they i mean they just in general across the board michigan statistically looked great michigan state didn't look great and so hopefully they they rest up i, I don't really think there's anything you can take away from this game besides michigan state looked tired and michigan looked to be cooking right i mean and you mentioned lineups a little bit kind of that small ball lineup and all season, Tom Izzo has been, I mean, every game, it's not the same starting five, it seems. He's always trying to switch things up, and I know he mentioned that it's because of COVID. He said anyone could get knocked out at any time, so I need all my guys to be ready. But the other problem with that is got to find a solid starting five, which he, you know, at some point, like like you said, when they kind of went on that 3-0 and run there against Illinois, Ohio State, and those were great wins, um, you know, you started to maybe think that, the lineup with Henry Langford Brown, you know, those kind of guys was the right fit. But like you said, when you're playing this many games in a span of two or three weeks, you're going to get tired. And, you know, looking at the stats from last night, Aaron Henry, he's been, you know, the one shining star, I guess, per se, um, with the Spartan basketball team. And, uh, you know, he had seven games this year where he had 20 plus points, you know, really looking like, a superstar out there, but last night he had 14 points, not typical for him. Um, Joshua Langford, he only made two of 10 shots and had one rebound. Gabe Brown missed his only two shot attempts and grabbed just four boards. And Watts, he started at point guard. He had six points on three of eight shooting, two turnovers, but then he was benched basically the entire second half. I mean, looking at these numbers, you're, there's no way you're going to make it to an NCAA tournament with those kind of numbers. I, you know, this year it's been such a big struggle because, you know, you lose your two anchors on offense and defense. Cassius Winston leading the offense, Xavier Tillman on defense. And this year it looked like Tom Izzo wasn't really left with someone to kind of take over those responsibilities. So this year it's been all about multiple people having to contribute in order to get um, – you know, a good win. And Aaron Henry's kind of been that leader that stepped up. He struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season, but he's really found his way. Um, And at certain times you'll see Langford doing well, Gabe Brown doing well. But, you know, like we saw last night, when you have four guys right there on your starting five, not producing the numbers that that you need, you're just, you're not going to win. And Michigan got the best of them right at the start. Um, Their guards, Mike Smith and Eli Brooks, they were attacking our guards like off the dribble to score the first seven points of the game. And it just, you could just tell right from the beginning, they, you know, Michigan just, 
had more of the energy. It just, I don't know. They have guys all on their roster, bench guys, they're starting five that all contributed Franz Wagner. And um, obviously Hunter Dickinson, who's amazing too. You know, that's another problem. We don't have any big men out there. And, you know, I mean, I, I, well, they have a lot of big men, just, they don't have the big men. I got, yes. Sorry. I should reword that. Um, We don't have a big man that is, uh, you know, that is like a Hunter Dickinson. And I know he's rare with seven, one freshman and he's unbelievable, but we just, you know, Marcus Bingham's not that guy, right? Thomas Kithier is not that guy. And last night we saw Julius Marble against Dickinson, which actually wasn't, I didn't think that was too bad of a matchup. I actually looked and Dickinson only scored three points when Marble was on him for like most of the game. And then when Kithier was put on Dickinson, Dickinson scored like 11 points or something. So, I mean, that matchup was actually probably the best two that you could put together um, as far as like big man against big man. But still, it just, yeah, a lot of different, a lot of different moving parts with this. But Michigan State just doesn't compare as far as just, you know, just the ability to take over a game, like how Michigan just has a lot of different guys, whether it's guards forwards whoever that can hit their threes and you know just match up well defensively and on offense and just Michigan State just really has struggled with that and it just really showed last night and looking a little bit deeper at it I think schedule has played a huge factor I mean just go back two weeks ago to February 20th from to last night that's 13 days and in 13 days they have played six games and possibly their worst performance or well besides let's okay well maybe they're more heartbreaking of the performances because the Maryland game was also pretty rough but Michigan came just they had a day off they played Tuesday Wednesday off then Thursday that was their shortest span of, of off days between games so far during this stretch and it showed so maybe you get Friday Saturday late Sunday start Maybe that two and a half days extra and also something we've seen this season, too, that maybe court advantage doesn't play a huge part. And I know I'm saying this Michigan State's going to be at home and they're not having to travel, but it's not that big of a drive. But in the NBA, just looking at it, they've done a lot of two game sets. So instead of one team playing a team and then going to the next city and then in the second half of the season, circling back around to play the opponent team, switching who's home and road. They're playing them kind of like baseball, back-to-back sets. And within a lot of that, you're seeing those sets are being split evenly because it's hard to beat a team two games in a row. So with Tom Izzo giving him, what, three days to prepare after a, a kind of rough loss, I'm pretty sure we're not going to see the same mistakes again. I don't know if Michigan State's going to win it, but I at least expect Sunday's game to be a lot closer, giving that Tom Izzo always seems to be an adjustments coach, where the second half also always really looks, usually at least, best for him, giving him extra time for to prepare. I'd put Izzo up as one of the great coaches, even maybe not necessarily on the same level as Nick Saban, another former Michigan State coach, but you ever see Nick Saban going into a bowl game with tons of time to prepare? He usually kills the opposition. I don't think talent-wise it's going to match up that way, but I at least think Izzo's going to be very, very prepared to take on Michigan, especially at home. 
Yeah, I think, you know, having two games in a row is an advantage. It gives, you know, in this instance, Michigan State who lost, it gives them a good scouting opportunity, knowing what works, what didn't. And they can obviously see there's a lot that didn't work. So they can watch the film in, you know, the next couple days and learn from, um, you know, the mistakes and, you know, hopefully be able to make a three-point shot um, and kind of realize, you know, Julius Marble can – realize you know maybe what else he needs to do to um you know make sure he can defend Dickinson and he did well but you know just even like those one-on-one matchups like players can kind of look back and realize oh okay I see how he kind of got around me I see how I did this wrong or I need to do this better um I think it does give a good scouting opportunity gives Michigan State a chance to just you know they're gonna have home court advantage which you know it always helps being on your home floor right um and you know, we've seen actually, you know, this season, anything can happen. Like, you know, for Rutgers, we, we beat them, but then they came to us and we lost or it was vice versa. I forget. And then, you know, lost to Ohio state and then won. And then, you know, the Illinois win, I mean, anything can kind of happen at this point. And so, you know, we lose to Michigan once, maybe we beat them Sunday, you know, it's just, it's all going to depend. It's Michigan state's just that total bubble team where you seriously just don't know if they're going to bring it or not. You know, you know, would you agree? I mean, it's just some games you just, you see them become, come out as a totally different team and other times it's just like from the beginning kind of like yesterday they really didn't have that same energy level that the Wolverines did yeah they just lost the swagger that they had and I I think that's maybe indicative of you're going against the number two team in the country however Michigan they just lost to Illinois team Michigan State beat now we all know the transitive property does not apply to sports otherwise the Lions and or Michigan State would have a lot more championships between them but I like to at least think that it's a somewhat indicative of overall peak potential, maybe. And this team, it's got a lot of potential to it. They've just got to be able to bring it. And I think you've got guys like Rocket Watts out there. I just saw him. I saw a lot of guys make poor decisions last night, too, where they would just kind of attack a bunch of defenders and not really try to set things up. And when the ball movement dies, especially on a smaller team, there, I don't think there's any one player who can... ISO in any situation and get a good shot. I think Henry, he can attack and maybe have a higher chance of that. But if he's going to be doubled, he needs to pass out of it. I mean, it's just going to be a team effort and team energy level to get that. And that being said, even if they do lose Sunday, I don't think it's necessarily going to be the breaking point. I think the tournament, uh, the Big Ten tournament is going to be what kind of determines it. I just looked up based on the latest bracket projections for March Madness from Joe Lunardi last night after the loss. He's got Michigan State in right now as an 11 seed, Michigan as a 1 seed. Michigan State would be among one of the last four in, and so that means they would appear in the play-in round, which would be them just ever so squeaking in, but I think ever so squeaking in, right now they're at 14-11. That sounds about right. I can't imagine Michigan State missing it, especially just based off of it's a rough season. I would give teams, powerhouse conference teams like North Carolina, Kentucky, Michigan State, things like that, where if they're on the borderline, just based off their previous body of work, based on the coaching situation, I'd probably lean towards putting those teams in, both for we know that they might, they're probably better than what's shown with all the COVID issues that have popped up, but then also from a cynical side, revenue-wise, it would really hurt I think a lot of viewing experience to not have some of these teams in there. 
but at least they give other teams a chance to upset them later on in the tournament. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a team like Michigan State, you know, I they got – I mean, even if they don't win on Sunday, I agree. Um, you know, Big Ten tournament is – you know, they're going to have to have at least a couple good wins in there, I feel, to, to solidify it because if they're already being projected as one of the last four in, um, they're going to need to have, a you know, at least a couple wins, I think, to actually show that, you know, they deserve to be in it. And, yes, I think you need to give teams grace um, with just the craziness of this pandemic season – um, teams, you know, no team has the same amount of games being played, you know, COVID hitting a lot of different teams in different ways. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of different things to look at. And, you know, if Michigan State doesn't make it, this would be Tom Izzo's first time in 22 years that he does not make the tournament, which is a big deal. And Michigan State being a huge powerhouse D1 big school with a lot of fans all over the country it would be a big loss. And I, that's one of the factors that the selection committee has to look at um, when picking what teams um, should get a bid is, you know, looking at strength of schedule, history of the team, um, how, how big the school is, how much revenue they can bring in. Um, you know, you know, knowing Tom Izzo and the history he's had here and just um, what teams have gone through. I think maybe they'll look at some deeper things this season, which, you know, gives um, me some hope that they, you know, if they can win a game or two at the big time tournament, like that's, they're completely in. Um, but you know, I, I, that's, that's how I feel about it. I mean, do you feel the same way that they, you know, definitely have to win a game or two, um, you know, next week at the tournament in order to officially have a spot? Yeah. It's going to be one of those things where I think the last time I saw this round Michigan state, I believe based off of where they're in, they're locked in at least at worst as a 10 seed, which as of a few days ago, that was a 7-10 matchup against Rutgers, which I think they should win. And then from there, they would play Ohio State, which Ohio State, then Illinois, and so on and so forth. And then Michigan, I think they could go on a mini run in the Big Ten tournament if the those games start next Thursday. So give them a few more days off. They play Rutgers. That should be a win based off of the best case scenario. They play Ohio State. I think Rutgers, if they beat them, that at least gets them in. And then Ohio State will help at least solidify it if they can do a repeat there. So we'll see, but definitely getting a win in Michigan. I think if Michigan State can pull it off and get get the win Sunday, it makes them a tournament lock because who else would have a win over multiple top five teams within a short span too between Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan? I, I joked with Fred a few days ago, you know, if you – what do they call you when you beat two top five teams back to back? Usually the national champion. And I don't think this team can maybe go that far, but I think they at least firing in all cylinders, they can hang with anybody. It's just how tuned up is the car. Exactly. I, I know. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Um, Just, yeah. Looking at, uh, that's another thing that the selection committee looks at is how many big, big wins against big teams have you had in Michigan state? For them to beat Illinois, number at that time they were number five. Ohio State was number four, I think. Um, so to beat top five teams like that, I mean that's a big deal. So you know Michigan State's potential, but is it? Yeah, are they gonna turn it on on Sunday, or are they gonna you know not bring the energy kind of like they did last night? It's all gonna depend. Um, and you know a rivalry game, you'd think it always brings a little bit more. Um, 
you know, a little more motivation, a little more, I guess, energy as you, as you will. Um, so, you know, being at home, you'd, you'd like to think that Michigan state will kind of think this is kind of our, this is our last chance in the regular season to do anything. Let's try to, let's try to go out with a win. Michigan's already claimed their title, um, which they stripped away from Michigan state after back to back to back years. Um, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of different things that go into it. And, you know, I'd like to think that Michigan state will, uh, We'll just bring it all, lay it all out on the line because if you get a win against Michigan, then I think you're it doesn't put so much pressure on you to do well at the tournament. So we'll we'll do the stereotypical thing, the I'll say second to last question for you. Michigan at Michigan State, Sunday, March seventh at four thirty, number two ranked overall Michigan versus based on the net rating, Michigan State, I think was like seventy four bet when I just looked it up a moment ago. Not not great. What's your Scott? What's your final score? Who do you got? Oh boy. Um, okay. Well, you know, all no bias here. I'm going to be completely level playing field, even though I cover Michigan State a lot here in Lansing. But I think it's going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be a, one of those back and forth games. I think Michigan State is going to bring it even more. They're going to be able to watch film today, tomorrow. But I think I'm still going to take Michigan to win. Um, just because they're Michigan, they're number two. I mean, they really haven't lost to anyone this season, so why would they lose to Michigan State Sunday? I mean, unless Michigan State really changes some things up, Aaron Henry goes off, you know, Gabe Brown, Josh Langford, Rocket Watts, they're all contributing in a big way. I just don't know if uh, we don't see that happen very often. So I just don't know if my hopes are up for Sunday. So I say my score, let's see. So they lose by 19 yesterday. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I'm going to go. Hmm. Uh, let's see. We'll do. Um, I don't know. It could be low scoring though. We're going to go. 70, 73 to, let's see, 73 to 60, 65, maybe. I think they'll be within eight. Yeah, I think I'd also go with the tighter line. I'll go low scoring. I'll go Michigan 71, MSU 65 and it'll be exacerbated by late game free throw you know the fouling and that always makes the margin look maybe a little bit bigger in a close game than it actually was I I think Michigan State's going to put up a really good fight but I just think Michigan has the depth they're not going to run them out of the gym they'll put up a better fight it'll be a good moral victory or ish I mean no one's going to say that but Michigan State will show up and at least look better and maybe that'll help the tournament committee say, look, they they hanged with the number two team. We were going to project them to lose anyway. So that's that. Not super fun to say that, but I'm going to at least be hopeful. And I will be very, very pleasantly surprised if that is not the case. Well, you're going to be busy tonight in just a little bit. You mentioned sports blitz. What's your assignment for tonight? Um, we are still trying to figure things out. I think I will be um, going to Charlotte and Mason. Um, I believe it's the girls game. Callan and I are still trying to figure out who's doing what, but I believe that is our game of the week. Um, 
So, yep, Charlotte versus Mason. So I believe I will be at that game, and I'll be at a few others grabbing highlights as well. But, yes, you guys can all tune in tonight to take a look, um, yep, at our game of the week and highlights from around the Capital Area Activities Conference and other conferences around the Lansing area. And where can everyone follow you to see the latest things that you are up to covering sports in mid-Michigan and beyond? Yeah, you guys can find me on all social media platforms. On Facebook, if you type in WILX Natalie Kerwin, you will find my page there. On Twitter, you can look up at Natalie Kerwin1, the number one. You can find me on Instagram at Natalie Kerwin. And yeah, if you want to reach out to me professionally on LinkedIn, I'm on there as well, <laughs> at Natalie Kerwin. So I'll throw that out there too. <laughs> Well, Natalie, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today and uh, go blast off and hit the ground running. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate it. It'll be a fun night. So make sure you guys tune in. Again, thank you so much to Natalie Kerwin for jumping on this episode of the WILX Sports Blitz podcast. If you're listening on our website, WILX.com in the embedded MP3 file, thank you so much. Please make sure you subscribe. If you got an iPhone, there's that iTunes link right below. Hit that button. It'll take you to iTunes where you can subscribe or Apple Podcasts, however your phone is set up now. Same thing for Google. You've got an Android phone. Or if you want to listen to Spotify or Stitcher, we've got all those links right below. So to make sure you never miss out on hearing from Natalie, Fred Human, or Kellen Buddy, or the Tim Stout, click the button below so you can always get the latest episode right when it comes out. And if you want to stay up to date with what I'm doing and what's happening in the world of sports, whether that's Blake Griffin at Green to leave the Pistons, who his new team is, how the Pistons are doing. It's a lot of Pistons right now, but also, in general, Michigan State basketball, football, the latest happenings in mid-Michigan athletics and beyond. Follow me at jgustin113. That's J-G-U-S-T-I-N-113 on Twitter. You can also follow me at John Gustin News on Facebook. Just search John Gustin-News. It'll pop up. Follow the Facebook page for WILX and Twitter as well so you can see what the amazing newsroom that I'm a part of is puts together on a daily basis covering the biggest changes from COVID restrictions to what's happening with athletics to, hey, even arenas now have adjusted seating starting today based on capacity, which means you can maybe get tickets to your favorite team pretty darn soon. So again, thank you so much for listening. I know I say it always, but please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app of your choice is it really helps with the visibility and with that shameless plug out of the way thank you so much again for the umpteenth billion time for listening it's really appreciated and i will talk to you next time